Hey, Washington, D.C., spring is almost here, and now's the perfect time to get a healthy, pest-free lawn with your local experts at True Green, America's number one lawn care company. True Green's science-based approach will help give your lawn the year-round care it needs to be thick and weed-free. Go to TrueGreen.com radio to save 50% on your first service. Just call 877-461-0681 or go to TrueGreen.com radio today and get a lawn to be proud of. You're listening to the Super Sports Flash Podcast. Welcome in to episode 13 of the Super Sports Flash Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Will, joined by another one of my hosts, Tyler Shibish. And we're, again, without our friend Matt Nash, but it's okay. He's here in spirit. Yeah, we'll be... We'll be back next week, too. Not live in person, but we'll be doing a Zoom-formatted podcast, which should be good as well. A little different, but... Yeah, so, hey, some big news. Disney announced that ESPN now owns the rights to the SEC uh, SEC sporting events. They basically bought, you know, the exclusive rights to all things SEC. So, starting 2024, they're taking over from CBS and we'll be the home of SEC Sports for, what was it, 10 years, the deal? Yeah, big-time deal, lots of money involved in that one. Yeah, it was fun fact. As a kid, my dream was always to work at ESPN, and so it's kind of goes hand-in-hand now, like SEC Sports are there. So, Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. It's going to be different just because it won't be on CBS, and it's been that way for so long. Yeah. But, you know, change is, is good, and I don't know. I'm hoping that maybe Gary Danielson... I don't have to hear him again, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if they just pull him over to ESPN as well. Yeah. I, how is this going to affect the bowl games? Is there going to be like a a Star Wars themed night or something? You know what I mean? I would love like the Death Star Bowl. Yeah, or, the Death Star Bowl or the Baby Yoda Bowl or just something like that. I, I, I'm all for it, but also, you know. I, I kind of want to wait to see what their plans are with the whole thing before I judge it one way or another because they just announced today. I remember the uh, the SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said, like, hey, I have an important announcement coming at... Everybody was whatever. freaking out. No one had I, any I idea. didn't think that it, they would be canceling games or anything. Yeah. I just didn't know what to expect. And I knew they weren't just going to boot somebody out of conference. I know a lot of people <laughs> were like, they're going to kick out Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt or they're going to boot out... Um, Missouri or some some team like that. I was like, no, it's not it. And then somebody, I can't remember who it was. I, I might have been listening to ESPN Radio. I was like, yeah, it might be, it might just be a new contract or something. And I was like, oh, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know why we're all freaking out. I really like the idea of ESPN Radio being like, oh, you know, who knows what it is? <laughs> yeah, because I'm, well, I'm sure I, they didn't. Know. I was scrolling through my Twitter feed and everybody was like, oh my gosh, this is not good. This is 2020. And I was like, I'm kind of worried. And then I was like, I don't. Yeah, I don't hate do? it. So, do you want to talk about some actual football instead of just you know the <laughs> puppet masters behind it? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, some bowl games. Boston College actually, they're six and five, became the first team to opt out of a bowl game, and for fear of COVID or whatever. And I read that it was because of that, and then like emotional stress of traveling in a bubble, being away from family for so long. And I also saw that, like, don't be surprised if a whole bunch of other mid-tier teams opt out of bowl games. Yeah, because just the process of having to be isolated from your family and just the amount of detail and how careful they have to be uh, just throughout this season just to play all the games they're playing, mm-hmm. is it really worth playing in a bowl game? It's not really even, that's not on your schedule. I mean, it's fun. But it's not going to be a typical year of the yeah. bowl games where you have all the festivities and, you know, the fans are there and you get to go to a new uh, new city and play in there. Like, you don't have the usual – it's not the usual experience. You're not getting the full experience. You're just putting yourself at risk yeah. for another week just to play a bowl game that's meaningless. And who, at the end of the day, is going to remember the 2020 Bad Boys Mower Clubs Bowl or something like yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love watching those bowl games just because yeah. – one, it's football, and I love watching football any chance I get, but also it's fun to maybe get to watch teams that you don't get to watch throughout the year. Maybe a team that has a particular player 
you like or a coach or something of that nature. And it leads to some interesting matchups that I don't think you, you definitely won't get throughout the year. Like case in point, two years ago, Joe Burrow led LSU before they became like the Joe Burrow led LSU. They played UCF in a bowl and actually handed them their first loss in like three years or however long it had been. I remember that. Yep. So games like that are super good. Speaking of LSU though. Well, I have a question. Okay. Go Do for you it. think those French players that could use that bowl game and maybe a primetime New Year's six spot, do you think they're going to be hurt from this? I think that in a year that you've already had a lot of people opt out, there's less players. If you haven't proved yourself through the By first now. 11 games of the season, I don't know how much one extra game is going to help you. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, one game could be the difference between a being a seventh-round pick and being undrafted, for sure. And for, like, the really, really fringe guys, yeah, it does hurt them. But I think that missing any games would hurt them. So it's just kind of unfortunate. But to me... If they haven't already proved themselves through however many games their team has played th throughout the season, they're probably already, uh, you know, like a long shot of making an impact. Yeah, that's true. NFL. Um, so, yeah, speaking of LSU, I brought, a, brought them up a little bit ago. They announced that they have a self-imposed bowl ban for the 2020 season, which is interesting. They're like, what, four and six or something? I think they've won like five. two games. It's, it's been just um, embarrassing. It's actually very smart of them. Because they're being investigated for something like kind of shady. I think it was with recruiting, like paying recruits or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so they were going to probably get a ban. So it's very smart to use this year where they were barely going to make a bowl game, if make a bowl game at all, just to be like, oh, we're not going to play in the bowls this year as a punishment. It's a smart business decision. I think it's dumb that the NCAA allows that to happen. It's like a cop a clear out. throwaway year. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what Auburn's doing too for basketball. Yeah, exactly. And this isn't the first time LSU has had issues with this, not with football, but their basketball program with Will Wade. Yeah. So I don't know what's going down there in Baton Rouge and what they think is okay and acceptable, but yeah, for this to be happening in two different sports is just an absolute utter embarrassment. I mean, I'll be completely honest. I think most schools probably do it. LSU's just bad at getting away with it, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. I think that besides the very top schools, when like randomly a school suddenly gets super yeah. good because they get a whole bunch of recruits, you got to look into that a little bit. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing how much of a dumpster fire, fire this program has turned into in literally one year. I mean, they went from the top of the college football mountain to yeah. down in the dumps. Literally, like, the biggest drop-off for a national champion in over 80 years or something like that. So, that's interesting. I remember coming into the season, they were ranked 9. And I posed the question on one of our first podcasts. And I said, like, do you think this is fair? They were the national champions. Do you think they're going to be that bad? And I think all three of us were like, yes, they're going to be that bad. We knew they were going to be bad. We just didn't know it would be to this extent. Because it's impossible unless you're a team like Alabama, mm -hmm. to be able to replace new players consistently year in and year out and yeah. not really miss a beat. Well, the thing that's crazy to me is like before last year, LSU was like a, they were a decent team. You know, they weren't, they weren't like the top team, but they weren't awful. I think they were what, like seven and they had seven or eight wins two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um and that's kind of where I expected him this year. I expected him to have be like seven and four, six and five, something around the like the Boston College range when we were talking about them earlier. But it's just impressive to me how bad they've been. Not only losing those players, that doesn't worry me because players go on the draft. You know, you have to replace them. But this year they landed Eric Gilbert, who's I think the top tight end in the country, yeah. five star. You know, all the had all the accolades from Georgia. He signed with them, and he had been kind of steadily getting better each game this year mm -hmm. and he decided that he opted out I think on Monday and they don't even know if they're going to get him back yeah I and that's it. that's one of your future guys so if you can't hang on to your recruits uh, what's this team going to look like next year after the Alabama game as well I saw it was a random Alabama recruit uh Monkel Goodwine actually it, yeah I saw that tweeted tweet that out had. like something along the lines of haha they're losing another recruit for this as well so apparently them not looking great hasn't you know, done wonders for their recruiting, especially after the year where they were going around proclaiming, like, we're going to be the new dynasty, we're going to be the best team. And then just to have an absolute stinker of a year. 
Yeah. I don't think you can... Like, all their good players that were playing to opted out, which kind of shows... I think that's a culture issue with Coach O. For sure. And... And that that's not just guys are getting drafted. Terrace Marshall opting out to prepare for the draft. This is a guy who's a true freshman who's decided that he doesn't know if he wants to be a part of this program. You know, that means that obviously there's something really wrong inside that program. And so then the final question that I have for you is obviously they're losing a lot and obviously their culture doesn't seem to be great right now. How much do you think their bad record has to do with the fact that most years they get a couple freebies, you know, most years they get to play some bad schools, but the SEC, the all SEC conference this year, because I just want to preface this by saying we still have, we would still have to win the SEC championship. We would still have to win the national championship. But in my mind, if Alabama somehow goes undefeated this year, it's more impressive than what LSU did last year, which was like the self-proclaimed greatest season of all time. Yeah, because you're not playing your cupcake team. Yeah, we're the first. Alabama right now is putting up the same numbers that LSU did last year against an all-SEC schedule. Uh, and that's one of the things. I don't have – when they announced that it would just be an all-SEC schedule, I had no issues with it because I knew if Alabama made it through the gruel and toughness of an all-SEC schedule by the end of the year – they would be completely battle tested for the college football playoffs. It makes the team better as a whole. Yeah. You like look at how the defense looked at the start of the year and now how the defense looks. The defense has been Yeah. Love or hate Pete Golding. They've been lights out the last Instead of coasting, you know, having a rough start to the year, kind of coasting the middle of the season with a couple uh, cupcake games and you know, we always have a cupcake game at the end of the season. Instead of that, every week, like week in and week out, you have to be on your game or you know you're going to potentially lose and your college football dreams and your championship dreams are going to be over yeah so another team that's been getting a lot of press recently was ohio state the big 10 officially eliminated the actually i'll back up a second going into last week's game they needed they had they were four and out they needed to play their remaining two games because the big 10 had a six game requirement Mm -hmm. they beat michigan state went five and out and then, wah, wah, the Michigan game got canceled. So then the Big Ten got together. They had their little meeting. They were like, guys, guys, this is really bad for us if we don't Like, we already looked very yeah. bad this at was, the beginning of the year when we didn't want to play. Now, this rule was supposed to be for, like, Rutgers. Like, what do we do with Ohio State? So they got rid of the six-game rule. Um, when you asked on our little handy-dandy document, does this make you mad? Yes, it makes me mad. Um I 100% Ohio State think Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten. I 100% think that they should, you know, be the Big Ten champion. But these rules were put aside 10 weeks ago, and then they're just changing them because, like, oh, no, it affects Ohio State now. So that does kind of make me mad. Uh, I don't know how you personally feel. I 100% accept that they should be in the college football playoffs. I 100% accept that they're the best team in the Big Ten. But it just makes me mad that – they put these rules and then they just changed them so they could help Ohio State out. I don't like it, but given the way things have gone, I don't think they anticipated this many. They they didn't anticipate their um their their shining white yeah, their Ohio State, boy. yeah, their poster boy team to be able to have is, to have issues with this. But I don't like it. But they're they're they address the issue and they're doing mm-hmm. what they can, um, given the poor decision that they put themselves in initially i will say i would be more mad about it if two of the three cancellations weren't not ohio state's fault one of them was their fault that's yeah. fine but like if it's all not three of yeah their, it's not like they're they're running a bad program over there yeah it was michigan don't care, and give a crap i mean they care nebraska the other one that canceled on them i think it was maryland okay but um so it's out it's out of their control they're doing the yeah. best they can and you know Looking at that game, I mean, it's Michigan State, and they're not very great, but they won 52-12. to 12. I mean, they took care of business. Justin mm-hmm. Fields had 17. He was 17 for 24, 199, two touchdowns through the air, and then he had 13 carries for 104 and two touchdowns on the ground. And, I mean, that's pretty impressive. They were yeah. also missing three starters. Um, Brian Day as well. Yeah, their coach. I think it was actually five starters, a couple offensive linemen, and then mm-hmm. – their middle linebacker, so they got the job done, even though they're banged up. So they're doing what they need to do. And I'll, I will also say they dominated Michigan State, who, you know, beat Michigan. So it's safe to say that they probably would have yeah. destroyed Michigan as well. But 
yeah, I don't know. I know it's not in their control, but I think it's kind of silly that they put these rules. Like, what's the point of having the rules if they're just going to change them so they can benefit Ohio State? How many points do you think they're going to beat Northwestern by in the Big Ten Championship? I'll go a conservative 30. 30? Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised either just because it's. I feel like it's a joke in the first place. But Northwestern, Northwestern ranked 14, being 14. They're ranked, they're ranked number eight either last it's week or the week this. before, and they immediately lost. Play the Chanticleers, you cowards. Um, actually, it's not on our list, but do you want to talk about that game real quick? The BYU-Coastal Carolina game? Yeah, I do. It was 13 versus, what was it? 18. 18. The number 13-ranked BYU Cougars took on the number 18-ranked Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Um, and Coastal Carolina won. You said it last week. You predicted that you said I wouldn't be surprised if Coastal Carolina pulled the upset and they did and in dramatic fashion might I add BYU had a chance to win the game they threw a Hail Mary it got caught and then they stopped them at the half yard line to win the game Mm -hmm. like what better finish could you ask for and uh, that's why I'm kind of I kind of think it's cool that they were able to schedule this game on such short notice but it does get me to question why can't they leave more spaces open and like just schedule good games like this more often, you know, I would much rather we talked about it earlier, and you know, going forward, instead of playing those cupcake teams, see you have a team that's doing well, and they're and, you know you have two teams that are playing well, you know, maybe can match up later on in the season. I think that'd be cool if this is something they can do going forward. Yeah, I don't think they will do it, but oh, there's no chance they do it. But I'm just saying, like, leave a space or two open, you know, let the teams meet and be like, hey, I think it'd be good if we played you. Obviously, this won't always work because sometimes you could get a case where like all the other good teams are booked or something, and then you got to go and play a cupcake anyway. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a really good game. Zach Wilson, didn't, finally, he didn't look great. I mean, he did okay, but they didn't put up the points that they normally I do. I think he looked good early on, but yeah. obviously they were not used to having to play an actual solid football team. And that's part of the reason why I picked Coastal Carolina to win this game. I know Zach Wilson's... A phenomenal quarterback, mm-hmm. but just the way the Chanticleers play, they're a very gritty team. Uh, they play with a lot of heart. Uh, their coaches fires them up for every game. They got their mullets, and uh, yeah. they just mullets they versus have, Mormons. They, yeah, they play the part. Uh, they play the part of an upset. So I was very surprised. I, I actually I thought Zach Wilson played well early on in the game. I thought towards the end of the game he played kind of poorly. Yeah, but it kind of changes my overall draft opinion of him where I wasn't sold initially. I think that he has just watching him. He he has the potential. Kind of reminds me of Mahomes. Makes like Mahomes like yeah. He's plays. unpolished, but he has like yeah. the IQ and like has the ability to make all the throws. And mm-hmm. the also, he plays for BYU. I mean, if you stuck him on Alabama or Florida yeah. or you know any other team, he with more weapons to work with, I think he'd be putting up pretty good numbers. And he already is with the team that he has. He did also have my favorite highlight of the game, which was going into halftime. They threw a Hail Mary and it got picked off and he just got absolutely bodied by those two Coastal Carolina defenders. Yeah, I remember that. There's a clip of, I, th- I think there was a, I mean, it led to an all-out brawl between each team. Yeah, they were getting chippy all game. But yeah, going into halftime, two Coastal Carolina defenders were quote-unquote blocking him and by that they nah, just yeah, shoved him into crap. the ground. It was crap. I've, it's very funny to watch the clip, even though it's completely unnecessary and shouldn't have happened. And like, honestly, I'm surprised there wasn't a bigger thing. Like the brawl was just kind of like a lineman shoved a guy and then everyone ran out to the middle of the field and they're like, hey, stop that. But like if they did that to my quarterback, my like Heisman candidate quarterback, I would be very upset if I was a BYU. Yeah, I got to ask you, how how much disrespect are the Chanticleers getting? Because they're ranked, I think, 13 now. Uh, do you think they should be a top 10 team? I think so. I mean, they're undefeated, and they just beat another team that was was considered like a, people were talking about BYU being too low. BYU should be you know seven. Or BYU should be a top ten yeah, team. Yeah, people were talking about BYU like having an outside chance of making the playoffs. But nobody's making that argument yeah. about Coastal Carolina, even though they beat them last weekend. That makes well, no sense to me. Uh, to me, it makes plenty of sense because the Chanticleers don't have that flashy player, right? They don't have a Zach Wilson that markets well for them, so. That's true. You know, it's all about money. People go, oh, they beat them, and like, oh, they're a solid team, but like, they don't have a star that you could recognize. Like, could you name a single Chanticleer player? Grayson McCall. Okay, but, but that was quarterback. Yeah, after watching the game too. So, 
I don't know. I think, and Grayson McCall is not nearly the household name that Zach Wilson is right now. Um, so some Alabama football, we happened. We beat, actually, the aforementioned LSU Tigers. I had to go into my thesaurus for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, 55 to 17. There was like two plays where we had defensive breakdowns. And then other than that, we held them to a single field goal all game besides like the two splash plays. That yeah, happened. I crack up when I'm, because I'm always, you know, watching the game. I'm following mm-hmm. on Twitter. And anytime LSU scores, or anytime, anytime we play a team and they get maybe a couple of scores, one maybe one early on people are freaking out alabama fans are like fire p golding like they just get we so were, worked up and i'm like we were up 21-0 before their first score as well it's not yeah. like the game was ever even close uh, alabama fans just you know they're never content with anything they're very like spoiled <laughs> i saw a lot of talk we went up going into halftime what was it like 48 to 0 or 45 to 0 i think it was 45 to 0 and then you know we ended 55 to or sorry, excuse me, not forty-five to zero, but we had forty-five points. Yeah, I was like, and, what? <laughs> um, that was the more the point I was trying to make. And then we ended with fifty-five, and I saw a lot of people going like, "I'm super disappointed in our offense in the second half." And I'm like, "We were up like thirty points." I think they did take the take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit, but there's no point That's in going just hard. The Nick Saban way, though. Yeah, you don't want to get any injuries or and tire your players out when they're gonna have their hands full. People were like upset because they were they were. They were saying, you know, this game should be more personal to Nick. Like, you know, LSU just... He's just you. not that type of person. I think it was that, personal to yeah, him, but I don't he think... He went for it on fourth down in the first quarter just yeah. to, like, flex on LSU. I, I think, think it, it was personal. I think it was very personal for him. I just think he handled it different than yeah, maybe an, and another coach would who's not as experienced and hasn't been in the league for as long as Saban has been. Yeah, so some stats from the game. Mac Jones went 20 for 28 with 385 <laughs> yards and four touchdowns. He was like 13 for 13 at some point. I remember that. He threw an incomplete pass on a slant, and one of the LSU defenders was like screaming at him, like, yeah, oh, like, get out of here. And I was like, you're down by 21 points. And I he said just the threw exact his first same thing. Incompletion I said the, of the exact game. same thing. Like, I think you might want to pump the. Br- I don't know. I. I'm all for players trash talking when it's a close game, but in the I'll never understand blowout. that. Yeah, it'll be a blowout game, and, and the, the quarterback will miss a throw, and the corner will be, you know, waving like his trash arms. Talking like, to, dude, he was trash talking to Devonte Smith too, who by the way had eight catches for 231 yards and two touchdowns against Derek Stingley, who was hailed as one of the best, if not the best, corners in football. And this is, I think he has like 400 something combined yards and a couple touchdowns. Against yeah, he had, last he had 200 yards last year as well. Against Stingley. And so that goes to question. Derek Stingley is really good when he's matched up on not Devontae Smith level receivers. And I'm not – Devontae Smith is special, right? Yeah. But how do you think he's going to fare against other NFL quality receivers? Are you worried about him at I'm all? I'm not worried think- about him. I think part of it is that he's the only good player on that defense. Yeah. And the only good player in the secondary. He's a damn good player. It's just drawing the tough matchup against Devontae Smith when, I mean, we saw it early on the game. They had communication issues in the secondary. I think it was when, um, who was it that caught that touch and pass that was wide open? Billingsley. Yeah, I think it was Billingsley, and the defenders were all looking at each other. So they've got so many issues on that defense, and specifically in that secondary. I'm not going to put it on Stingley. He's a great player. Also, he wasn't necessarily isolated on like he wasn't. They weren't playing a lot of man. Yeah. Like he wasn't on him the whole game. So when you look at those stat lines, you're like, oh, you know, Derek Stingley got bodied again for another year. Whereas last year they were man to man, and this year it was just he was kind of played around the field a lot. So and then also sorry, yeah, Najee Harris had 21 carries for 145 yards and three touchdowns. Fun fact, he's now 176 yards away from becoming Alabama's all-time leading rusher, which I looked that up just to make sure the exact number. And it's funny to me because he's number like five on the list right now. So the top five are all within like 100 yards of each other, which yeah. I thought was pretty interesting. But I think bowl games count for records like this, and so do the playoffs. So I think he's pretty much assured to end up the all-time leading rusher for Alabama, which is pretty cool. Like, congrats to Najee. Um. That asks the question, though. When we named, we sat here, we named off the stat lines for each of those guys. Do you think the big time production from Devontae Smith and Najee Harris kind of hinders Max's chances at winning the Heisman? I think yes and no. Because all those guys are putting up ungodly numbers. 
Yeah, I think that if it's going to the best player in football, Devontae Smith should probably win it. Just like sheer how much better he is than everyone else. But it's going to go to a quarterback. And I honestly think it's going to go to whoever wins between Florida and Alabama. Yeah, the Trask um, versus uh, Jones matchup. I, I firmly believe that they're going to look at that head-to-head. And as long as one of them doesn't play like awful, it's just going to be whoever wins. Trask. Yeah, I really think at this point, Trask is more likely to win it just because, like I said, he's the player. Yeah. Well, I mean, other than Kyle Pitts, but for us, you look at Alabama and you're like, Najee, Devontae, like we have all these weapons. And as good as Mac is, I mean, these other guys are putting up video game numbers as well. Yeah. The one thing that kind of annoys me about the whole Kyle Trask potentially winning the Heisman, and he's had a great season, but compared to Mac Jones, like, they cite, you know, his yards are about the same. He has like yeah, 20 more touchdowns or whatever. But he's also attempted like 100 more passes mm-hmm. on the season. So could you just imagine Max numbers if he attempted 100 more passes? I think that he would be the clear favorite if we played in like Florida system or he, you know, we had to pass that much, if that makes sense. So that's. I just got some uh, breaking news, actually, that yeah. Eli Gold has uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Oh, really? Yep. So I know he, he came back from, what what was it? Was it cancer that he had uh, a couple of years ago? I believe so. I don't want to, yeah, I'm not 100% so, sure on that. But. Um, I mean, I hope he's okay. Because I remember it was a big deal when he came back and he cast like a Alabama basketball game like the first for the first time afterwards. And that was a huge deal. And I think that was, you know. So I hope he's okay because if if that is what it is, then he's recovering from stuff like that, and he's more at risk. Yeah, he's sixty six years old. I looked it up, and I mean, he calls he's a legend. Yeah, he's not like not even just for him. Alabama football fans. Everybody knows about him just because the job that he does. You know, for each game, he's he's absolutely phenomenal. So we hope he 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 recovers from that. I'm sure he will. He's a fighter. Yeah, and that's just I guess I feel like. We're always waiting for the next shoe to drop, you know, the next person to test positive for COVID. It's just the the world that we live in right now, unfortunately. But Yeah. Um, so final thing about Alabama before we move on to some NFL, actually. But we play Arkansas this weekend at 11 on Saturday. I think it'll be a really easy game. I'm not sold on Arkansas at all. Um, they played better this season, which is good for them, like Woo Pig Suey or whatever. But... <laughs> I, I don't I'm not worried about it. The the games that I thought could be trap games personally were Old Miss and Tennessee. So I'm glad that those are over and I feel they like they put up a lot of points though. Well yeah, I it's funny for me to look at Arkansas, just the arc of them this year, because they started off having a not really great offense and their defense was lights out. Mm-hmm. And then last week they played Missouri, who's had a surprisingly good year. Um, yep. And they lost 48-50, to 50, which was a shootout game. Um, with I mean, they had their backup quarterback. Arkansas had their backup quarterback. Yeah. And they had their backup running back in because Rakeem Boyd opted out. And um, Felipe Franks is dealing with an injury, and they still managed to put up 48 points. I don't know. I don't know which quarterback starting this week, but they're very well coached. They've got some talent. I'll, I put this question on here for you. Was I mean, could Alabama get caught looking ahead to the SEC championship a little bit against a team? Yeah, that's fair. That I mean, plays pretty hard. I, I could definitely see that, and I think that it is a concern. But I think that Nick Saban does a good job of keeping them centered of like the next week. Obviously, they're going to be preparing for Florida a little bit now that they know who, like who they're playing. But I think that Saban's really good at being like taking one thing at a time. So I'm not super worried. If this was the NFL and it was like my Minnesota Vikings or something, yes, I would be terrified. But I think that we're blessed with having a really good coach and office. Yeah, very well-ran program. I'm not super worried. What about you? I don't think they're going to win, but I can see them giving us maybe some issues for a couple quarters and then us pulling away because we're Alabama and we have a lot of talent. Not worried about us on offense. It's just the defense that there's always a voice in the back of my head that I'm kind of worried about them. Yeah, so talk a little bit about nfl football normally we would do this on our student section show but that's you know hasn't been going since thanksgiving so Mm -hmm. be a fun time to talk about some matchups that happened this past week 
the Patriots and or excuse me that are going to happen this next week. Yeah, tonight the, actually. Tonight, yeah, is the Patriots Rams Thursday night football. I somehow forgot it's Thursday. This week's <laughs> not by fast. Patriots had I'm gonna say this without actually checking, so I could be wrong. But was that the biggest blowout of the season by any team? A forty five zero. It had win? to be. I don't I don't think anyone else has won by forty five or more this season, so we're gonna go with that, and if I'm wrong, my bad. But they beat the Chargers forty-five to zero, and it's just like, where did that come from? They've been a struggling team all year. They just explode for you know a lot of points. Do you think I, that's more about how bad the Chargers are or how good the Patriots absolutely. are? Because I think it's how bad the Chargers are. Oh, a hundred percent. It's just even with the Chargers being that bad, I didn't think the Patriots could put up 45 on anyone this year with how bad their offenses looked at. Time. Are we putting that loss on Justin Herbert, who hasn't played particularly well the last couple of weeks after you know setting the league on fire early on? Or do we put it on Anthony Lynn? I think, I, I think it's Anthony Lynn. I agree. I think that time and time again, he's shown throughout the year, everyone's like, oh, give him one more chance. But just some of the, like, the fundamental coaching decisions he's made throughout the year, like time management, when to do this, when to do that, he's been really bad. And so obviously you can blame the talent that he's lost. It never, it's never a good thing, losing like Derwin James, who has a Madden tournament named after him now. So he's doing that in his spare time. Um, Joey Bosa, too. Yeah, Joey Bosa. He lost a lot of talent, but just like the fundamental coaching decisions, he doesn't make good ones. And so I'm not convinced that he's the coach of the future. Justin Herbert hasn't been playing great, though. So I will, you know, not to discount the Patriots' win or anything, is still an impressive win. They have six on the season now, which is, if you told me three weeks ago they would have six wins at any point this season, I wouldn't have believed you. But I'm excited. They're playing the Rams. The Rams have looked good. The Rams actually are... Do they have the tiebreaker for first place now with the Seahawks? I think they do. I think they do. They're the 8-4, I believe. NFC West. Mm-hmm. Um, the clutter that is the NFC West with yeah. all the closeness with the records of the teams. The Cardinals are dropping a little bit, though. Yeah. Good for, good for me. And same with tonight. My actual prediction, I think the Rams will win. I'm rooting for the Patriots, though, because the Rams loss helps us. Um, you know, wild card team and all. Mm-hmm. What about you? Who do you think is going to win? I think the Rams will win. I think it'll be close, though, just because, you know, why the heck not? It's a Thursday night game, and you're playing the Patriots. So, Titans, Jags. Titans were down, like, 35-3 to three or something against yeah, the Browns they, last Yeah, they closed the point. gap, making it look better. Yeah. If you had, if you didn't watch the game and you look at the final score, you're like, oh, you know, they didn't lose by that much. Yeah, but if you like, watch the game, I was so shocked, so surprised that they were getting beat by the uh, – the Browns. Baker Mayfield of the Browns had one of his best games of the season, I think. And he also had the smoothest touchdown celebration I've ever seen in my life. The high stepping? No. Um, it was actually a touchdown for Higgins. Um, I don't know. Oh, I know what you're talking but about. But he like yeah. slides. He comes running from across the field and like slides in and then takes pictures of him like with a fake camera. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the Titans. <laughs> I think that Titans are going to pretty comfortably win the Jags have been playing better the last couple of weeks they went to they almost won last week I know but they're playing a scrub they had Mike Glennon if they if they didn't have Mike Glennon they probably would have won that game well honestly though Mike Glennon's been the reason they've been so close in these games he's been playing well he just defined well I mean he does well compared to like their other quarterback play this year I don't know he's been he's the veteran presence and I think that he's not the reason they lose games their defense has not been amazing but James Robinson's been really good. Yeah. And the Titans' defense has actually been bad all year, so I could see James Robinson having a big day. Well, I mean, you, you're talking about James Robinson. We might as well kind of dive deep, a little bit deeper into that. He undrafted. Remember, they traded away Leonard Fournette. People were asking, yeah. what the heck are they doing? And just the year he's had um, just has blown my mind how much production he, he's been able to give them. Yeah. Where is he? Where did he go to school? It was like something central Illinois or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I when I saw that they were starting this random guy from oh it was Illinois State the Cardinals. Um. He, I was just like, who is this guy? And he's had an amazing season. He's way he's like better year than Leonard Fournette. He's number three in the league in rushing yards, actually behind Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry of the Titans, who are like 
400 yards ahead of the, the third number three place, mm-hmm. but still. So, yeah, it's just super impressive that this undrafted rookie's come in and been, like, the best player on the team his first year. We'll have to see if that continues, though, because running backs, I think, are the hardest position to maintain consistency. Yeah, you look at Zeke this year, for example. Everyone was like, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Past two years, he hasn't been, like, super good. Mm -hmm. Um, Vikings at Bucks. Huge one for my fellow Vikings fans out there, actually. This is maybe the most important game of the season left because the Bucks currently sit at seven and six. The Vikings are at six and six. And with a win, or no, the Bucks are seven and five, and the Vikings are six and six. So with a win, the Vikings would pass them in the wild card spot and take the number two spot from them and have the tiebreaker over them for the rest of the season. And vice versa, with a win, the Bucks propel themselves to almost certainly getting the wild, locking up the wild card spot. And so this is a huge one for playoffs. Um, it really scares me as a Vikings fan. Eric Kendricks is probably going to miss the game. He hurt himself in pregame warmups against the Jags, and he hasn't practiced the first two days of the week. Mike Evans is also probably going to be out with a hamstring injury, so we got that going for us. But Tom Brady's probably just going to destroy the Vikings, if I had to guess. He... Um, when given a clean pocket, he's been good this year. Like the thing that where he struggles is when he has to avoid pressure. And the Vikings D line has been like a bottom tier D line all yeah. year. So I'm not too optimistic, but we'll see. We we seem to be playing to the level of our opponents these well, next four weeks. Well, I'm just sitting here thinking about how the Vikings have really turned it around. We were talking about them picking at the top of the draft, and yeah. now I don't know how many games they've won in a row or what. We're the five and like. one since the bye week. We only lost to the Cowboys of all teams. Oof, that's pretty bad. It was a three-point loss to the Cowboys at the very end of the game. But I don't know. I've had a very weird roller coaster of a ride throughout this season. I've had dreams of getting Trevor Lawrence all the way to dreams of making the playoffs. Yeah, I remember seeing Trevor Lawrence on Twitter photoshopped in a Vikings jersey. And I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. And then the Vikings just decided, hey, it's okay. We're going to win these games. And Kirk Cousins has played well, too, for them. And it's a testament, I think, to Mike Zimmer. People are really like unsure how to feel I was about unsure him. about him. I'm one of those but people. The defense is back to a top 10 defense since the bye week, and this is with half of our starters being either rookies or people that have never played in an NFL game before. Um, a guy on our team last week had a two forced fumbles and a fumble recovery, Jordan Brelford. Never played a game in his life. It was his first game in the NFL, and he stepped right Out in. Out of seamlessly. Oklahoma State, yep. Yeah, and so... Credit to Mike Zimmer. I like Mike Zimmer. Um, I wish he would be a little more aggressive with his offensive scheme, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, let's find some interesting ones left because we're gonna we're not going to go super long today, but Chiefs and Dolphins. Tua is now back to only losing one game as a starter, I think, in his career. How many games has he started now? Five, six? Mm-hmm. Um, Around there. Yeah, he's lost one game. And they've been really good since he stepped in, which is weird because like he hasn't put up the numbers that Fitzpatrick has, but then the rest of the team seems to just get better when he's playing. Chiefs, though, it's so hard to pick any game against the Chiefs. They've just been so good. Their defense has looked particularly good, too. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know. Tyreek Hill had 200 yards in the first half two weeks ago. or Sorry, in the first quarter two weeks ago. And it's just like they can do that at any time, right? They can just turn it on, and then all of a sudden, any play for them is a chance to score. And they're super aggressive, which I love watching as a neutral fan. Just a random, like, fourth and ten, them going for it, because why not? So, I don't know. It's really hard to pick against the Chiefs. What do you, what do you think? You think you're going to? Well, Chiefs the Dolphins' them? defense is surprisingly good, but I don't, you know, you could have the best defense in the league and playing against Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you're going to have your hands full regardless of, of how talented your defense is. I will say that I'm surprised at how how quick um, Brian Flores has turned around the Dolphins program yeah. at 8-4. and four. I was expecting them to be okay this year, maybe win five or six games, not as many as they won. I mean, and going to be in the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. I mean, that's pretty impressive. It's really weird to say this and I never thought you know the past 20 years of my life watching football that I would ever say these words but the next couple of years the AFC East could be a battle between the Bills and the Dolphins which is 
kind of exciting, you know. I'm excited. I'm tired of I'm so tired of seeing the Patriots dominate for so long. Yeah, and I don't know. I think that, like you said, Brian Flores has done a great job, and the culture seems really amazing there. So, props to them. Cardinals at the Giants. The Giants beat the Seahawks last week with Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy is the Played only horribly NFC too. East quarterback in the league this year that has beaten a team with a winning record. Fun fact. Or maybe not so fun fact if you're a fan of an NFC East team like our own Joe Williams. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, I'm a Colt McCoy guy fan, though. Uh, yeah, that's he true. played on the Washington the football, football team. team ties. I actually picked the Giants to win this one. This is maybe more hopeful thinking for me, but... Um, no, I want to say that I'm with you just because the Cardinals had a, such a great start to the year and they've been absolutely horrible since their offense has struggled. Yeah. Um, the Giants, even without Daniel Jones, who's supposed to be back this week, and without Saquon Barkley, have still managed to be competitive in all their games. Yeah. I mean, Wayne Gallman has been putting up really good numbers. To me, it's very similar of when... Not saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but it's it's similar to their Super Bowl winning years. Their defense isn't quite as good, but they have like a mediocre offense that can kind of put up numbers sometimes, mm-hmm. and then like a defense that's willing them into games. Well, obviously, people were so confused when they I think they traded for or just signed Leonard Williams to a big contract, yeah. and they were surprised and wondering why. And then now Giants fans are like, well, we love Leonard Williams. You know, we're so yeah. glad he's here. That's just the Giants fan experience, yeah, that's just, though. Like, questioning exactly. every That's just that a New York yeah. experience with any of the teams. You know, Giants, Jets, Yankees. Those fans expect. They're kind of like Alabama fans. They expect so much out of their team. Which is funny, which is funny to me because, like, teams like the Knicks, for example, haven't won a championship in, like, 40 or 50 years. But anyway, um, Jets at the Seahawks. Greg Williams actually yeah, got fired. We've got after. to talk about that. Got, Do you think he did that? I don't think he did that on purpose. I just think he got greedy because that's the type of coach he is. He's kind of a greedy <laughs> dirtbag. I mean, let's just with he, oh, he was the one with the no one hates him more than I do. The whole bounty gate thing. Yeah, the bounty gate thing. And Vikings. Um, when I remember watching him on Hard Knocks, he just seemed like a total asshole. The way when he yeah. coached when he, the, he was defensive coordinator for the Browns. I don't know why he still has a job. Well, he doesn't have a job a, now, but because the NFL is a big good old boys club, where if you're you were in at one point, you're in forever. But um, yeah. So some context I didn't know the Jets, the New York Football Jets, Owen. What were they? Owen ten, Owen eleven at that point. Owen twelve. They haven't won any games. More importantly, well, yeah, I think they were Owen eleven at that point going into the game. They were on the cusp. They stopped the Raiders on fourth down with a minute to go. And then they, you know, like punted back to him. And then the Raiders get one last chance. Fourth down, 13 like, seconds on yeah, the clock. 13 seconds. And Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, calls a all-out blitz with no defenders to help. Engage eight. <laughs> yeah. He literally went to the Madden playbook, engage eight. And the corner got burnt by Alabama's very own Henry Ruggs. And he scored a touchdown. And the Raiders won the game. No, I don't think it was on purpose. I think that everyone on the staff and like the players, the players are going to be playing for their jobs next year. The staff is coaching for their jobs next year. But at the same time, that's probably the worst call you could ever make. Just drop like eight guys in coverage because they had to get 13 yards to even get a first down. Better yet, I don't think the Raiders had any timeouts, did they? They didn't. Just stand everyone at the goal line. Even if they get a catch, they're not going to be able to get down there and spike the ball. Jets fans weren't I – I can't tell if they're happy or sad about that game, but as Alabama fans, seeing Henry Ruggs catch the game-winning touchdown pass was pretty fun. So Yeah, I agree. And also, funnily enough, people were making a big deal. They were like, oh, the Jets are going to blow their tank. I can't believe this. And then the Jaguars also took the Vikings to overtime and had a chance to win the game, and then Mike Glennon threw an interception. Very unfortunate timed interception. I don't think they, the Jets have to worry about losing Trevor Lawrence. I think they'll true. get him. But I'm just saying, I thought it was really interesting that both teams on the Trevor watch almost won. They, they Both teams snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. So the Washington football team at the 49ers. Washington looked good. I mean, I think they've been pretty decent. They beat the undefeated Steelers, shocked the world. I don't think the Steelers are that good. And I definitely didn't think they'd go undefeated, but Washington wasn't the team that I thought that would end it. That. I knew they'd play them close. I didn't think they had it in them to 
beat them. I think the Steelers had a lot of miscues, a lot of drop balls. Mm -hmm. uh, defense looked pretty bad, which is uncharacteristic of them because they looked great all year. Maybe the injuries are finally adding up. Didn't Robert Spillane get hurt? I yeah, think. he got hurt. And I think for this game, Joe Hayden has a concussion. So they won't have Joe Hayden for the concussion. So I have to ask, um, because I don't really follow the football team super close, how's the outlook on Antonio Gibson looking? Oh, he's been phenomenal. I think he's one of the highest rated rookies for Pro Football Focus. He didn't play he didn't play in that game because he had a turf toe injury. No. So that's what I was gonna ask. He did play the first series and then got hurt. Yeah. And then got taken out. So most I, I meant game, for like next game. week yeah, was okay. the prognosis looking. Do you have uh, I think it's doubtful him? for him. Okay. Yeah, I know he's been phenomenal this year. He's been if James Robinson wasn't in the league, I think best rookie like running back by far. Oh yeah, for sure. Actually, real quick I wanna ask you. With Justin Herbert playing so poorly, do you still think he's going to win Rookie of the Year, like Offensive Rookie of the Year, or do you think a certain rookie wearing purple and gold might have a chance at it? I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Jefferson won it just because he's been good all year, whereas mm -hmm. Herbert's fallen off a little bit. But also, I think they're more likely to give it to a rookie quarterback Yeah, it's who kind of came out of nowhere. I agree. But I, that was just my little campaign right there for Justin Jefferson. He's number four in the league in receiving yards overall and also has like seven touchdowns to boot, which is only behind Chase Claypool, who had like a four-touchdown game to boost those numbers. He has the most receiving yards. Uh, I think it was like the most receiving yard ever by a rookie for through his first 12 games or something like that. So mm -hmm. impressive season. He's been phenomenal, much better than I ever thought. He, he's already as good as I thought he could get like in his prime. So, um, and then last one that we can talk about the saints and the Eagles, Jalen hurts versus Taysom Hill, just like everyone thought at the beginning of the year. Yeah, exactly. Excuse me. That was a little unprofessional, but it's okay. Um, Taysom Hill actually Taysom actually has career passing touchdowns. Now Hill versus Jalen, threw an absolute dime on fourth down, but then also threw a pick. Yeah. threw a pick to end the game. I'm super excited to see a week with Jalen actually being the focus instead of all year they'd bring him in for like one play and then they'd take him out. And that has to be hard to like build, you know, some any form of rhythm like that. I think that the Eagles have a chance. I really do. I think that the Saints keep on winning, but again, who have well, they played? The Eagles defense has played well, kind of kept them in games despite how bad Carson Wentz has been. And I think Jalen Hurts might give them that spark, you know, that change of rhythm on offense it might be different for them to get used to just because he's player-wise very different from Carson Wentz but Wentz has not been great this year I just I don't know why they didn't do it sooner he Jalen should have been the starter coming into this week in my mind I think that you know because two weeks ago they took Carson out at the end of the game right because they were losing and there was no chance oh wait no 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 sorry excuse me they didn't take Carson out and I was saying all game like you should take him out and put in Jalen, because every time Carson Wentz was in, they'd go like three and out. And then like one series, they put Jalen in. And he had one completed pass for six yards and a first down. But guess what? Out. That was their first first down of the entire game. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that I'm excited to see what Jalen has. And all year you hear like it's a confidence issue with Carson Wentz. And some people are like, oh, maybe it's because they drafted Jalen Hurts that his confidence is hurt. But also, I feel like it can't help to just march him out there every week and let him continually play awful. I feel like that's got to be worse for his confidence than the fact that they drafted a backup, right? Because, like, what, what would make you feel worse? They draft someone to maybe take your job, or you go out there every week and prove them right, you know? I, I just, it makes him, the, the confidence thing doesn't make any sense because hey, this is the NFL. It's always that next man up mentality. If you're not playing the way you should be, you're yeah. going to get benched. Regardless if you're a guy like Carson Wentz who's highly drafted, who signed a big contract, you have to always be ready. You can't be complacent. And the f it makes me think that he's mentally weak if he can't handle that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, flip side, Packers draft Jordan Love in the first round, and Aaron Rodgers has been phenomenal this year. He doesn't care. Yeah. He's just going out there and doing the best that he can do, not worrying about who's behind him. He's not looking over his shoulder constantly. So... Real quick, I do want to talk about that Carson Wentz contract because um, I like to say it a lot. Fun fact. It doesn't kick in until next year, and it was a four-year extension. Oof. So it was $128 million 
over four years that doesn't kick in till next year. And let's see, 107 million of it is guaranteed. So they're going to be paying him 20 million a year to sit on the bench or be on a different team. I think he'll still be on the Eagles. I'm not worried about that. Maybe they'll get him some help. The receiver play has not been, hasn't done him any favors. Well, unless they're going to like Brock Osweiler him, right? Like, which is the football equivalent of old yellering someone. (laughs) You trade him to another team and like trade half your picks away just to get someone to take his contract. Mm -hmm. Unless they do that, they're stuck. Like, who's going to want? There was lots of talk about Kirk Cousins being traded when he was playing poorly at the beginning of the year. I feel like that one's a lot more feasible than Carson Wentz. The contract isn't as big. He's been playing better than him. And like, even then, I don't think a team would do that for Kirk Cousins. So why would a team do that for Carson Wentz, who's playing worse and has a bigger contract, you know? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they address that. You know, with Jalen Hurts, either he's the guy for them going forward and they don't have to draft a quarterback. It just it poses a lot of questions. If, if you say Jalen Hurts doesn't perform very well, We've seen Carson Wentz perform not very well all year. Then you sit there, they have a top draft pick. Are they going to trade away Wentz and you know maybe draft a guy like Zach Wilson or Trey Lance? That'd be it's really a big spicy question. drafting yeah. a quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised, round. though. It's true. I mean, I saw, I was watching the Cowboys game on, was it Monday? Mm-hmm. And they were talking about the Cowboys potentially picking a quarterback. If, I don't if think they they'll got do that. That would be silly just I because agree. Dak Prescott was playing so well for them. You can't drop a guy because he's going to cost you a lot of money and he got injured that's ridiculous i mean he gave you everything he could yeah i don't know i think that it's just it stinks for philly fans having to draft a quarterback in the second round and i really hope jalen succeeds more than anything i love alabama boys and jalen is just his story yeah his story coming here getting benched i mean we all know it to see him succeed in the nfl would be be fun to watch. And unfortunately, I think that's it. This is episode 13 of Super Sports Flash podcast. Yeah. And so we'll be doing the next couple of ones over Zoom because we won't be together in person. But we're together in spirit always. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep the momentum. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, um, have a good night. Yeah, peace. Hey, Washington, D.C., spring is almost here, and now's the perfect time to get a healthy, pest-free lawn with your local experts at True Green, America's number one lawn care company. True Green's science-based approach will help give your lawn the year-round care it needs to be thick and weed-free. Go to TrueGreen.com radio to save 50% on your first service. Just call 877-461-0681 or go to TrueGreen.com radio today and get a lawn to be proud of. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal.